Welcome back. I'm Carolyn Stain, and you're listening to Classic Lunch, proudly brought to you by First for Women Insurance here on Classic 1027. Well, every day this Women's Month, I've been interviewing some incredibly fearless women here on Classic 1027. And my guest today truly embodies that word. She's an advocate and a lifelong activist for social justice, human rights, good governance, and the rule of law. Her fearless pursuit of truth earned her a spot on Time Magazine's list of the 100 most influential people in the world in 2014. And in 2016, Forbes named her Africa Person of the Year. She's one of the drafters of our constitution and she served as South Africa's public protector for seven years. Of course, I'm talking about the phenomenal advocate Tuli Madonsela, and I, I have to say I'm just beyond honoured to have her join me on today's show. Hello, Professor Madonsela. Hi, Carolyn, and thank you for this privilege. Oh, and thank you for taking time out of what I'm sure must be quite a hectic schedule right now to chat to us today. It is it's a hectic schedule. However, it is Women's Month, and this extremely important. Absolutely. Now, uh, Professor, I've gotten to know you fairly well over the past few years, but I was just thinking we haven't really ever spoken about your early years. So could you tell us a bit about your dreams when you were a little girl, your life as a young woman growing up here in Johannesburg? I grew up in Soweto. I was born in Joburg and raised in a working class family in Soweto. And very early in my childhood, my parents took us to Swaziland to study there, not in exile, because my father was one of those pioneers that gave us what we call the taxi industry today. They were not mm-hmm. as stubborn though, as, and as difficult to manage as the new taxi drivers. <laughs> so <laughs> because of that, we came home frequently during school holidays. And I grew up as a Seventh-day Adventist. And my dreams, for as long as I can remember, were about justice. I would assume that comes from being raised in a world where there was law, but definitely no justice. I recall being at home, sleeping in Soweto, and frequently having those people that we called blackjacks, those were the municipal police, just kick the door open. And it was a metal door. I can still remember those sounds and people hiding under cupboards, under beds, etc. relatives who didn't have passes or who may have misplaced their passes and they were all bundled off away. And as a result of that, one of my cousins, my father's sister's son, disappeared to this day. And is that what made you decide to go and study law to kind of you know, fix the injustices in our world. Absolutely. I recall when I applied for a law scholarship that I said that I wanted to change the law, which I always ask myself, it's in the middle of apartheid. None of the people like you, whether women or men, are involved in changing the law. And if there are any women that I knew at that time, I would have known Priscilla Jana and later, Victoria McClendon. And none of them were involved in actually changing the law as such. Well, they were involved in changing the law incrementally through what you refer to as lawfare. But I often think that God 
is involved in our dreams because he knew at that stage that it was going to be possible for me to be involved in changing the laws. And initially, this happened when I worked at work, Center for Applied Legal Studies and was involved in the early stages of assisting the ANC to conceive or to conceptualize laws such as the Local Government Transition Act, the Constitution itself, and equality laws such as the Employment Equity Act, Equality Act, Administrative Justice laws, etc. And yeah, somehow, yes, my dreams were about justice. They were also about gender justice. You might not know that I wrote two plays that had something to do with one was purely about gender justice called Umendo. Two plays? Oh, I didn't know that. Umendo one was played, actually. It was a private initiative when I was a young person. I think I was, I must have been doing the trick at that stage, but I, I just pulled young people in the village to play it. And they still remember the parts they played to this day. It was a court drama. Mm. And then... The other one I wrote, it was never played. It was Judgment Day. It was never played, but that one was about race, gender, and injustice. And Tuli, let's come back to, you know, the legal profession and politics that you've been very involved in. It's a tough, very male-dominated environment. What did you feel was the biggest stumbling block in getting to where you wanted to go as a woman? I would say the, the biggest stumbling block was and continues to be what we refer to as unarticulated premises or unconscious biases. Nobody says, I'm not going to let you through the door because you're a woman. I'm not going to give you the respect you deserve because you're a woman. I'm not going to talk to you properly because you're a woman. It's just there. You can see that these things are happening because you're a woman, but you can't even call it. Because if you do, they're going to say you're playing the gender card. Well, we all remember your work and admire the work you did as South Africa's public protector for seven years. What made you decide to move away from politics to take up that challenge? Because that was some challenge. I wasn't really a politician, although, I mean, I would say the nearest political office, the nearest thing to political office I ever occupied, was being the secretary for the Zamini Civic Association, which is uh, the township where I grew up, and also then being part of the executive of the Soweto Civic Association. I I always shy in political office. You'll see in my memoirs uh, when they finally come out that I was given an opportunity on a plate to go to parliament in 1994, and I declined. But why did I become a public protector? It really was not really planned. My approach was always to be in the area of your traditional justice system, which is advisory litigation in the court system. And Saweed Matamala from Saweed calls me one day in May 2009 and says to me, we've nominated, we want to nominate you for this position. And I say, why? She says, but the work you're doing is already about advancing people's rights. It's about defending democracy and protecting the people. And this will give you an opportunity to do it with authority. And that's what persuaded me because I was there. I was helping people who were unjustly treated by home affairs, unjustly treated by the police, women unjustly treated in customer marriages, people and justly treated by municipalities in the billing system and things like that. And when this person said to me, it will involve all of that. 
but with authority to make it happen, I then said, count on me to do so. You currently hold the chair of social justice at Stellenbosch University, where you've been, I think, for about two and a half years now. Could you tell us a bit more about the work that you're involved with at Stellenbosch? Thank you. The social justice chair at Stellenbosch University is about advancing social justice scholarship and using the academy as a crucible or as a social laboratory for generating ideas on how to accelerate our achievement of social justice. As a country, we have a constitution that commits us to establish a new society based on democratic values, social justice and human rights. And at the time I completed my term as a perpetrator, people were crying out for social justice. And the looters and corrupt were leveraging those cries to use the people as their shield against accountability for their corruption, ineptitude, and all of those wrong things. And I felt that an opportunity to get into the space where I can fairly rally the country and the world around social justice would be the best contribution I could make in my next chapter. And I'm convinced that that was the right decision. And under the chair, in addition to social justice scholarship, we're now at a point where we've created something called a Musa Plan for Social Justice, which is a Marshall Plan of some sort, having all hands on deck to accelerate our progress in achieving social justice. And social justice, as we see it, is about embracing the humanity of every human being. And in so doing, it, it is about ensuring a just and fair distribution of all opportunities, privileges, resources, benefits and burdens in society. Within that, there's an element, of course, of restitution. There's an element of ensuring that everyone is represented in decision-making and an element of ensuring that there is social and economic inclusion in our country. We, we talk about inclusive growth. That's not going to come about magically. We need to change our laws, leveraging data analytics to make sure that we don't plan laws, policies and regulations on the basis of one size fits all. Well, you are, of course, the founder of the Tuma Foundation, and that was established to extend the legacy of Tuli Madonsela. Tell us a bit about that. The Tuma Foundation is a democracy, literacy, and leadership public benefit organization. It also came from what I saw as a pop protector, that democracy was waning and people's belief in democracy waning because people felt that democracy is not working for them. And increasingly, young people and poor people were saying, we don't want democracy. We fought for freedom or our parents fought for freedom and we got this thing called democracy. It works for the rich. It re-entrenches the inequalities that were left by the legacy of colonialism and apartheid. And we said, wait a minute. Actually, it's not democracy that's responsible for the suffering today. It is a particular way of implementing democracy. And therefore, a tumor foundation is, again, a kind of lab where ideas about democracy are discussed. We've got frequent democracy dialogues, which we call demologues, where people talk about democracy. And the very first one was discussing the concept of democracy. 
with a view to helping people, particularly young people, to understand that democracy is a concept that has plasticity. It's not a fixed concept. If you look at what we call democracy today, for example, is totally different from what they call democracy in 5th century Athens. And if you don't like the way democracy is practiced in South Africa, Africa, or anywhere in the world, as a young person, you can come in as an intellectual and provide new ideas on how we can use the the plasticity of democracy to make it work for all. Um, Tulia, I've interviewed some really remarkable women on the show over the past couple of weeks, and I always ask this next question. Who is the fearless woman who inspires you? And apart from their own mothers, your name is almost always mentioned. You've inspired many, many millions of women all around the world and here in South Africa. But I want to know who is the fearless woman that inspires Tuli Madansela? I guess in a cliched way, I would say, for me, it was my fearless mother, like literally fearless, physically, socially, and psychologically. Well, maybe physically I'm not as fearless fearless as she is. I think the most fearless thing I've ever done was climbing Kilimanjaro, summiting Kilimanjaro, but she was far more fearless than that. In terms of people other than my mom, I will say to you, honestly, the one person, woman, who inspired me as a young lawyer was Priscilla Chana. And it's quite sad that young women don't know about these pioneers. You know, when people talk about me as a public protector, I think, oh my God, when I was growing up, everyone talked about Priscilla Chana. Men, women, young, old, even the police. Even the, poli- the politicians under apartheid feared one woman, Priscilla Jana. And now it's Tuli Madonsela. <laughs> Tuli, I think it's time for a piece of music, don't you? And you've selected a song for us to listen to that I really, really love. It's African Dream by Vicky Sampson. What made you choose this particular song? It really speaks to my soul, uh, the African dream. Ever since Vicky Sampson released it, it really resonated with the idea of an African renaissance. It resonated with the Africa I had been taught about by my own father, the Africa of Guamile, the Africa of Cleopatra, the Africa of Queen Zinga. That if we just let our kids know that spirit, remember who they are, on whose shoulders do they stand, we can all rise and make this continent successful and the mortal continent as well. Okay, well, here is the one and only Vicky Sampson with African Dream. Ah, isn't that such a beautiful song? Vicky Sampson singing My African Dream. And that was the choice of my very special and honored guest today, Advocate Tuli Madonsela. Tell me, Tuli, uh, we started our chat this afternoon talking about your childhood. With the benefit of hindsight, if you could go back in time, what would you tell your younger self now? I would tell my younger self that, be still, you're okay. You are exactly what you should be. You are a magnificent expression of your creator's intelligence. And nothing that anybody says or doesn't say defines you. Believe in yourself, believe in your dreams, and believe in your creator, and everything shall open up for you and you'll make the difference you were born to make. Before you leave us, if you had just one piece of advice for the women of South Africa, what would that be? Never stop hoping, 
women of South Africa, never stop dreaming. Yes, it's hard, especially when it comes to issues of gender-based violence, particularly targeting young women, girls, and older women. But what I want to say is we stand on shoulders of giants. Today is better than yesterday. It's tough, but you're not just victims. You are conquerors as well. And you can not only help find solutions for beating violence against women, you can also innovate to make this country reach its full economic, social and political potential. Thanks so much for joining me on the show today, Professor Madoncel. It truly has been an honor speaking to you and I hope we can catch up in person soon over a nice cup of tea. It would be a joy, Caroline, and thank you for this privilege. Thank you. That was the Chair of Social Justice at Stellenbosch University, the remarkable, the inspirational, the amazing, the fearless advocate Tuli Madoncela.